0: do something a little different tonight. We're going to have the three of us up here, and we're just going to have a conversation, and I need my phone, um, to read the Bible with. <clears throat> so Rachel and I, our family had a, a bit of a whirlwind uh, last week. Our Third daughter, our baby girl, Eden Claire, surprised us all and came into the world 10 weeks early, and it was wild, and it was fun, and she is beautiful and precious, and everyone is doing great, and, you know, why are we up here talking when we just had this? I don't know, but here we are. This is what we're doing. Uh, we're going to have fun tonight. So, um... As we've gone through this experience, and I'm sitting there in the NICU, I'm holding this tiny, precious, three pound, five ounce baby girl in my hands, and I'm looking at the intricate details in her hands, her fingernails, the creases, uh, everything about her is perfect. Yes, she came really early. She's not supposed to be out yet, but she is beautiful. She is a masterpiece. And as we continued to think about this, as we've been introducing um, the next part of our vision as a church, uh, Vineyard Covington, uh, that's the name of our church, in case you forgot. Um, I just can't help but thinking about what it's like to be born into a new family, right? So Jesus said that if we want to follow him, if we want to enter into his kingdom, then we have to become like little children. In fact, we have to be born again by the Spirit, and we have to start all over with everything that we thought we knew. We get to learn again what life is like in his kingdom. And so uh, we've been trying to figure out what does it look like for us, Vineyard Covington, this family on mission, you know, we want to welcome every person around us into this family that is being transformed by the life and the love of Jesus. What does it look like? How do we actually do this? So last week, we kind of laid out the first step of this vision. Last month, we, we meet once a month, and um, time flies by, though. Last month, uh, we looked at the passage from um, Matthew 28, where Jesus gives us this great commission, right, to go out and make disciples of all nations by teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded us. Or in the message version that we really like, He says, train everyone you meet near and far in this way of life, instructing them to put into practice all of my teachings. And so for us, we feel like our strategy, the thing that Jesus is inviting us into in our city together is to develop a way of life we can invite the city into and as we go about doing this, we're going to go really slow over uh, the next few months. And we're going to just continue to lay out more and more of what this means. But I've, I've been so encouraged by all the conversations we've had with you and in our house groups uh, about what this looks like. And, and as we flesh this out, but we're, we're centering this around three goals. And this is the language that we're going to use together uh, as a church for what this way of life looks like. It's centered around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. This is how we're gonna orient and uh, recenter everything in our lives around these three goals. And as I'm holding my tiny, beautiful daughter, who's not even home from the hospital yet, and she's already being used in sermon illustrations, (laughs) I'm thinking about these three goals, right? Because all I want right now is just to be with her. She was born into our family. She is one of us. She's our flesh and blood. She has our undivided love. There is nothing that she has to do to earn it. We were dealing with some colds this week. And so when we had a little bit of the the junk, we couldn't go into the NICU. And it was terrible. We're just sitting at home like our daughter is out there and we can't be with her. Our hearts were just longing to be with her. And that's what Jesus wants. We get to be with him. There's nothing that we have to do to earn it. Uh, my hope uh, for all of us is that as we en- engage with this language more, that we see it as good news. Okay? That's that's what I really hope because it's really easy to take this and turn it into shame. But we get to be with Jesus. We we belong. We're a part of his family. That's all we want. And yet, I look at my tiny baby daughter and there's a whole lot of growing up that she needs to do. There's a whole lot of development and growth and maturity that she has in front of her. There's so much that's on our hearts for her to become. If she were to just stay three pounds and five ounces forever, it would be really unhealthy. She would never actually get to come home with us because... I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't think that happens. Eventually, I think you just stop living. But, okay, so, so, I mean in the broad sense, not Eden. She's doing great. But all of us, when we're born, we're born into something with something ahead of us, right? And that's what the, our Father wants for us. He wants us to become everything that he made us for. There's so much in store for us that we're still growing into, and we haven't arrived. And that's why we, we use this language of being and becoming. We are being transformed. This is a process that we're, we're constantly engaging in. And then the last thing is that there's so much for her to accomplish. There's, there's so much in her life that I don't know what it is. I don't really have a plan for what it has to look like. But there's, she was made for amazing things. That's our family motto. When Rachel and I got married, that was what we believed in each other. We believe it about our kids, and we be- believe it about every one of you in this family, that we were all made for amazing things, right? We are God's masterpiece, and he created a ton of good things in, in place for us to go after. So this is what it means. This is kind of the framework that I want us to have in mind as we use this language, a way of life centered around being, becoming, and doing, right? Okay, so this invitation into a way of life is what we're going after. And tonight, we're going to look at a passage from Mark chapter 9. If you have a Bible or a Smart device. You can pull that out. I don't have it on the screen this evening. But we're going to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And we're going to read this passage together once, and then Rachel, Joe, and I are going to basically look at this this passage from the three different angles of being, becoming, and doing. Because they're really all the same thing. It's really one thing, but they're kind of different emphases, different focuses, different angles uh, of looking at that. So let's read from Mark 9, starting in 14. When they returned to the other disciples, and I should say, when you start a passage like that, uh, three disciples went with Jesus up on a mountain. They had this really crazy mountaintop experience where Jesus was transformed in front of them. He actually turned into this glowing bright white light, (laughs) and they heard the voice of the Father from heaven speak, and it was this amazing event, this amazing moment where they saw Jesus in all of his glory for who he really was, and then they come down from that mountain, and they rejoin the other disciples who had been going about the work while they were off on the mountain having this super cool experience without them. So that's where we're we're jumping into the scene. It says, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and then he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can can be cast out only by prayer. It's a little bit of a long passage, a pretty intense story. As you listened, did you happen to notice anything about being, becoming, and doing? Was there any person uh, in the story that you resonated that, with, that you saw yourself as that person? And I'm going to start tonight by, by looking at becoming. <clears throat> and the. The big thing that I want to say is that transformation, becoming like Jesus, is not a quick process. Becoming like Jesus is something that we engage with and we go after for the rest of our lives. So, when we cast this vision of becoming like Jesus, if that even seems possible to you at all, which is a big question that we have to talk about at first, Um, If you're looking for some quick fix, some overnight uh, strategy, some five easy steps to be just like Jesus, I'm really sorry to let you down. (laughs) We are in this for the long haul. If you think about what transformation means, it's becoming something that is completely different from what we already are. This doesn't happen overnight. There are things in our life that can happen quickly, in an instant, in in an immediate thing. You know, this boy in the story, he was set free in an instant. Jesus spoke a word and he was healed. He was set free. He experienced something that that did change him forever, I'm sure. But the process of becoming like Jesus happens over the course of a lifetime. Any uh, snowboarders in the house? Skiers? No words, Jude. When I was in high school, uh, first, let's just say, I grew up in South Florida. I didn't see snow until I was like 10 years old. It was this mystical, amazing experience. Um, But I was convinced that I was going to be an amazing snowboarder. It was just part of my calling in life. I was probably going to be in the X Games, you know, like the next Sean White. And so finally, I didn't get to snowboard until I was probably 14 or 15, I think. And I was just like so ready. I went with my brother who's 10 years older than me. He had been a bunch of times before. And I was like, "All right, we're going right to the top. I'm going to nail this thing. This is who I am. This is what I was meant to be. And I was terrible. I spent all day falling over and over. As I think about it, I can still feel the shooting pain in my tailbone. I wasn't an immediate amazing snowboarder. I had to learn. Can you believe that? (laughs) I had to grow. I had to fall down and get back up. How about uh, anybody that has kids and you see them start to walk? Did any of your kids, after they, they tried to walk for the first time, they get up and they're a little off balance and they go to take that first step and they fall down. Did you say, oh no our kid's just not a walker. <laughs> we got one of the bad ones. Like, sorry, kid. I guess it's just not in you. The whole, the whole point is that, that learning and growing and becoming is something that we practice over time. And so when we talk about this, I, I hope that it's encouraging, but the big point is that we only grow by trying and failing and trying again. So when I read this story, I just relate so much to the disciples that were down. Uh, They didn't get to go up to the mountaintop. They didn't get to have that awesome experience. I wonder if there was a little bitterness there, like, you know, we want to see Jesus sparkle too. But they were down there. And the, the really interesting thing is that earlier in the book of Mark, Jesus sends them out in teams to cast out demons and heal people. And they did it. They come back celebrating. It's amazing. We're like, we're able to do this stuff. And now they're in this moment trying to do something that they had done before, and they're completely failing. This was their chance to show how great they were, right? Jesus was away. Don't worry. We'll take it. And they fail. And they have to go to Jesus, and they have to have a question. They have to ask him the question, you know, why couldn't we do it? And he, and he points to something deeper that we're going to talk about, this, this life of prayer. But the other thing that I want to look at, too, really quick, is the conversation that Jesus has with the Father. The boy is, sees Jesus, and the spirit starts uh, freaking out, and he's rolling around on the ground. This is a really intense moment. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't go into panic mode, start screaming and freaking out and yelling at people he turns and he looks at the dad and he says, how long has this been going on? You know, if I was there, I would have been like, Jesus, can we talk about this later? Like, come on, let's let's snap into it. But Jesus was not in a hurry. Jesus was a non-anxious presence in this moment. And he looks at the father and he asks him a question to get below the surface. This is the other way that we we transform. This is the other way that we become like Jesus. We have to go below the surface. So much of our culture is forming us in superficiality. It's forming us in this shallow, let's talk about sports and the weather. And Jesus is interested in what's going on in our hearts. And when he has this conversation with this man, he gets to the core, his unbelief. Right? And I believe that this is really what Jesus is inviting all all of us into with just a small bit of faith in Jesus we can start to believe that he really is who he says he is and then we can start to believe that we really are who he says we are and then we can take risks and we can fail and we're going to fail over and over again and the best news of all is that we get to do it in front of each other because we cannot become like jesus alone we have to do it in community we have to be real we have to be vulnerable and we have to be willing to fail that's how we become like jesus
1: cool. thanks tyler um out of the three i tend to be more of the doer so i just kind of naturally lean more towards that And there's like the certain internal satisfaction I get when I feel productive. Um, And the thing is, though, that that internal satisfaction can quickly turn to self-righteousness and then into bitterness. And that's like if I'm trying to like do, do, do all these things for the Lord, but I'm not connected to the source. So um, in the passage of Mark 9, again, I'm connecting with the dad, like with the man. Um, Here's uh, in verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. And he talks about the the spirit that possesses him, And then I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And I see right away that the man is a doer. He's already done an action. He he came to the disciples, asked them to do it, and they couldn't do it. he brought his son with him like there's some doing happening already and um jesus comes and so they're talking more again and um that's when he brings up the um he asked jesus in verse 22 if if you can do anything take pity on us and help us and jesus responds with the if if you can everything's possible for one who believes and immediately the boy's father exclaimed i do believe Help me overcome my unbelief, and I—I I mean, I also love the the father's response here. The um, it's so honest. The I do believe. Help me in my unbelief, and so there's some action again that happens, and I love that there's this kind of self awareness um, to know that he needs help with his unbelief. And. It was striking me too, just like that Jesus is getting underneath the surface here with with um, what the man's real needs are, the heart issue, the unbelief, and that being with jesus like he he wasn't before he he was on he had met the disciples, but then with Jesus on the scene he 's with him, and that changes him um, It changes us it changes how we respond and the actions we choose to do when we respond. And so Jesus has this way of living that invites us to go deeper. Um, when I'm thinking about Eden, our daughter, like that crazy experience, um, like part of my doer personality made it really great. For, I'm really good in a crisis situation because I can push through and get it done. I can push a baby out and all that stuff. So I'm done with that. Like, <laughs> but it was the after effects that kind of woke me up to this like afterwards in the recovery room I just trembled and my body just shook for a minute he was in the NICU with the baby and I was by myself all the doctors and nurses had gone away and I just shook and I was connecting um, just my that my body and myself were disconnected and I needed I had emptied myself completely to get through to that moment and I needed a reconnection to my source to be filled up again to live that full life, so that I could provide again, that I could do again, um, that it was like what I keep experiencing even since then it's every couple of days I just I'll just cry like and I don't know sometimes why I'm crying, but I can tell that I need something, I need to be with Jesus because he provides abundantly, just like Tanya said at uh, communion, and he wants a full life for us. Um, I can't do it alone, so being with Jesus is healing me from the inside out. Literally, over the last two weeks, um, for me, uh, practically, it looks like when I'm driving to and from the hospital to the NICU to listen to worship music because I can't do anything else. I'm just driving, and I just get to be with Him, and it fills me up. And like, then I just cry more, like in a good way and the sad way, you know, like the in between. <laughs> so it's just this like deep healing that he's doing within me and I'm becoming more like him the more I'm hanging out with him and being with him and so um, I think that that's translating into more of the action in my life like I have to be with him like that's the pitfall of being a doer like you can very easily just keep going but it's not gonna look pretty if you do it on your own the other story that was coming to mind when I was thinking about doers is a classic example in the Bible of, of my sister Martha. Sister Martha in the Bible, um, she's a friend of Jesus, and there's this story where he comes into their town and she has them over to their house, and her sister's with her. And her sister sits down at Jesus' feet and just sits there and listens while Martha's running around getting everything prepared for dinner and for Jesus and the entourage that Jesus brings with them everywhere. So I'm like, I feel her deeply, you know? Like I would be running around like a little crazy woman too. And she comes to Jesus. She's like the gumption to come and be like, Jesus, what? can you get my sister to help? Like I'm doing everything by myself. And he responds by saying, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha had been doing all the things with this anxious, distracted heart, the Bible says, and Jesus was able to gently reveal to her the underneath, um, like, the, what she actually needed was withness with him, like proximity to him, like Mary was doing, and that would change. I think it would change the way that she was doing all of the things. Her attitude about it would have been different. And so um, I think that being with Jesus takes care of that self-righteous sort of bitterness that can rise up and that I can see myself so clearly in Martha's story too, because we're learning to become more like him. And like Tyler said, he's not hurried. He wasn't in a rush. Like, he might, like, it's so funny, Tanya talked about him providing because, you know, he's not worried about when his next meal will show up. He'll just like make a bunch of fish and loaves for thousands of people up here so like it's he's not worried he's not hurried and it was going to be okay so I have a lot to learn from the vulnerability of Martha and the the dad in the story like being that vulnerable to be able to ask for what you need and to know like help and Jesus help you to really see underneath what you need like that's awesome Um, it's courageous to ask for help because jesus shows up then and he helps (laughs) like he helps to provide he helps the next action like the more that i like want to do (laughs) and he just he gets to the root of the why i'm asking for that help and leads me to further transformation becoming more like him um so i think he just he shows us the way to the fuller life And at the end of Mark 9, where he um, reveals to the disciples who are asking why they couldn't cast the demon out, it's by prayer, by being with the Father, with the source. And um, so, Joe, you want to talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yes, I do. Can I get more microphone cord? Thank you. Hi, everybody. Hanging in there? What's the thing that's left of the three? Which one? <laughs> be with Je- Thank you. Three people that responded and are listening. You're my favorites. Prayer throws flows through all three of these things. You can easily be with, do what, and become like Jesus through prayer, right? And the answer to the riddle at the end of Mark 9 is this one only comes out through prayer. And I don't think it was some special kind of prayer that he hadn't taught them yet. I think it was more a life of prayer. More of a connection to the source like Rachel was talking about. After all the disciples had literally just been with Jesus, right? And as Tyler mentioned, they had done this type of work very recently. They were even surprised they could do it. They're like, even the demons, man, this is crazy, right? And yet this was a surprise. Well, I want to offer a reason that ties in with being with Jesus that may have been the issue here. Because, you see, if I want to experience the life of Jesus and be with him, become like him, and do what he did, I have to adopt his lifestyle, right? And the disciples, I don't think they needed a better technique here. Like I said, they didn't have this special prayer they were going to learn later. I think it was more that they needed to have a continuous posture and connection with Jesus instead of emergency procedures. It was more of this long, slow, becoming process that they were in need of. So how do we do that? How do we make our lives a continuous posture of being with Jesus? Like, how do we make ourselves kind of be in two places at once? I know some of you do that really well already, but that's not what I'm talking about. So there's a great quote by uh, Brother Lawrence, who the book that Dakota received today. And he says, prayer is nothing else than a sense of God's presence. When we say things like in ministry time, like, come Holy Spirit, we're not like, Holy Spirit, I know you're busy, you're probably way far away, but would you come down here, please? Because we're asking. What we're basically saying is make us more aware of your presence. You're already here. The presence of God is part of a life of prayer. And we can be with Jesus through the Holy Spirit that Jesus left behind. In John 15, he talks about abiding in him, remaining in him, staying with him, like a vine to branches. The life source that produces fruit. If a lemon tree has a branch break off, does that branch produce any fruit? Probably not. It has to remain and stay in the vine. So, why is this such a hard thing for me? Maybe not you. Why is it so hard? I want it to be easy. I don't want it to take forever. I want to just, like, get up, be with Jesus, and have everything else take care of itself. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example, and this is kind of the way it is with me. But I love this example. I'm paraphrasing it. A great author named Dallas Willard um, was the originator of this. I just put my own spin on it. So I know you probably wouldn't ask me for car advice, people that know me. You shouldn't. My wife is shaking her head. Please don't. But let's just say you did. Maybe you notice your car is running pretty good sometimes. Sometimes, though, it won't even start. Like, this is a problem. You're not really sure why, but you maybe think there's an engine problem. Maybe there's something else going on that you just don't know about. And so you tell me all this, and I'm like, I don't know, like, maybe I could help you with this. And, you know, you start to get upset. You blame the automaker. You're like, I don't know, I got a lemon. This car is, is a bust. And then you tell me, by the way, when I'm out of money, because gas prices are really high, I just put like Diet Coke in the tank, you know, because I don't have time to go to the gas station and do all this stuff. So every now and then, that's probably a a problem. (laughs) Don't you think? But we want the results of what the car offers. We want to be able to get in it and go to a place. Right? But all of a sudden we realized that uh, maybe the things that we're putting in, the things that we're doing, aren't giving us the results that we want. Like maybe, and just maybe, just stay with me on this, maybe that steady diet of Netflix and social media doesn't get you where you need to go. I don't know, maybe, maybe. But we want the same results. We want that life with Jesus, that connection all the time. We need it. I need it. But we don't always adopt the lifestyle that requires that connection. But here's the good news. I know you've been waiting. Here's the good news. Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me into opportunities to be with him every day. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for 25 years or you haven't even made that decision yet, he's inviting you into connection with him. It's the abundant life. It's where our awareness of his presence is constant. It's where our connection with him is solid and where that time with him fuels becoming like him. And it fuels doing the things that he did. That's why this stuff is kind of cyclical. Even though it's connected, it's like, it's really hard to do a lot of stuff for Jesus and not ever be with him. <laughs> it's hard to become like him if you don't ever spend time with him. And so all three needs to happen, but this is the fuel in many ways. And the last thing is, is this individual and communal. Like Tyler said, there are aspects of being with Jesus that are very private and personal in your life, right? But you can't do it alone. <laughs> you can't do life with Jesus by yourself very long, very well. That's why we have things like our house groups, that's why we have times where we're together socially, where we can just be like, What's going on with you? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying. This is what feels like a failure. (laughs) This is what feels a little better. We're doing life together because we can't do it on our own. So, last thing, I promise. (laughs) There's a lot of really great ways to be with Jesus. And I just want to remind you to start where you are, not where you think you should be. Right? Like, I do that all the time. I'm like, I probably should be three steps ahead of this. And that's just defeating, and that's where the shame comes in. Right? That's not from Jesus. He doesn't want to shame you. That's from the enemy. So start where you are and not where you think you should be. Your time with Jesus can be two minutes alone in quiet, and you don't even have to pray. It's official. I'm giving you that. Okay? Okay? If you can't do a Sabbath, take one hour of your day and just stop. Don't do all the things for one hour. Start where you are, not where you think you should be. I'm going to let Tyler tie it all together. Yeah.
0: One other thing about community. In community, we get to see a way more full and beautiful picture of Jesus. Because not any one of us can show us everything that Jesus is like. So we learn from each other, from all of the different gifts and strengths that we have. And it's also in community where we realize how much further we have to go (laughs) to become like Jesus, right? Because when we're all alone, we can sit and imagine how awesome we are. But when we start engaging with real people, all of the stuff comes to the surface, right? All of the junk, all of the room for growth And it reminds us of how much we need Jesus. It's an opportunity opportunity to grow. That's right. So where are you in this story? The the key question that we're always going to come back to as, as a family is, what is Jesus inviting you into now? You know, I love, there's this little line in there. I forget which verse, but it says that, when the the crowd, you know, the the disciples failed, they couldn't do what the guy asked them to do, um, and the, they are just all start arguing, basically. And the religious people are getting into all these debates, and it's uh, going on and on. And then it says, when they saw Jesus, they all turned and ran to him, and they were overwhelmed with awe. And I just want us to always remember, as we come back to this, that, like, this, is a, this starts and is centered around a vision of, Hugh, of of Hugh, of who Jesus is, the brilliance of Jesus on display in our life. This is not a, a list of things that we have to do to earn His love. This is the, the full, abundant life of fruitfulness, of transformation, of doing amazing things that He invites us into. And that's why it's good news. So where do you see yourself in the story? The band's gonna come back up and we're gonna do uh, one more song of worship and then we're gonna, we're gonna have some space for ministry time. But what's Jesus inviting you into?